Hello, everyone. Um, we hope you had a great Thanksgiving. Happy after Thanksgiving. Yes. It's not <laughs> December yet, I don't think. I could look, but that, I mean. This is at Christmas time. You can start playing your Christmas music. You can put up those Christmas trees. I'm sure we already have. Um, nope. Tomorrow yeah. is is Christmas. Well, December. Or December, sorry. Yeah. <laughs> Christmas season is what I meant. Um, this is Midwest Madness, True Crime, Cult, Conspiracy, and Cryptid Podcast. Yes. I'm Emily. And I'm Danielle. And I told the story of Alonzo Brooks last week. Um, For episode 50. Yeah. I can't believe it's been 50 already. It's yeah, almost been a year. Yeah, February, right? February, yep. Pretty crazy. That is crazy. Um, I'm not sick of you yet. Ha <laughs> ha. Thanks for <laughs> sticking around if you stuck around. Yeah, and if you didn't, well, screw you, I guess. You're not here, so. <laughs> All right. Oh, I got to stretch out here. Oh, here comes serious. I got to get comfy cozy for Danielle's story. Yeah, we uh, we traded positions. I was lounging a second ago, and now I'm, like, upright and ready to go and trying to convince Siri to, to sit with me because he's so warm. It's so cute. Okay. All right. So, oh, good wiggle, buddy. Um, so I'm doing a possibly unsolved story. Um, I, and you might have heard of it. I don't know. So um, have you heard of the Circleville Letters? No. Okay. I've heard of the ones in New Jersey. Is that the water? Yeah. That shit freaks me out. <gasps> that one is, yeah, that one's really creepy. I do kind of wish it was in the Midwest, though, because I would totally cover it. Oh, yeah. I remember listening to that one um, when I was walking Sirius, and it was, like, in the winter, so it was, <laughs> so it was dark, already dark, and I had, you know, I had my headphones in, Yeah. And that just, it gave me, like, the heebie-jeebs, and then like, Sirius nope. kept, like, doing the thing where you're, like, you know, like, like he, like, hears something, yeah, or someone's around. behind me, or, yeah. you know, oh. and it, uh, yeah. You're like, I like sped walk really fast home. You're like, just kidding. Yeah. <laughs> and I think that was right around when I was house hunting too. So okay. yeah. Well, you have made it. You don't have a watcher because you've not received any <laughs> letters. That I know of. So that's a good sign. Yeah. Um, okay. So this is not the watcher, but this is the Circleville letters. Is it kind of similar? In the fact that there are letters. Okay, great. <laughs> so not really. Am I going to be scared? I don't think so. Maybe. I certainly wasn't. Okay. Okay, so our story starts in March 1977. Mary Gillespie walks out to her mailbox, opens the box, pulls out the mail, and brings it back to the house. Going through it, she finds a letter without a return address and postmarked from Columbus, Ohio which is roughly 30 miles away from Circleville, Ohio. Mary opens the letter to find an anonymous letter with no signature, ordering her to quit her affair with Centerville Superintendent Gordon Massey. The letter specifically says, Miss Gillespie, with a colon, not a comma, which I found very strange. Well, it's just weird. Stay away from Massey, colon. Don't lie when questioned about meeting him. I know where you live, colon. Obviously, you sent me a letter. (laughs) Right? 
I have been observing your house and know you have children. This is no joke. Please take it serious. Everyone concerned has been notified and everything will be over soon. Colon again. End of letter. That's weird. So they, they do use periods too, but like it, I just found it so strange that they used colons because I don't even know when a colon is necessary. It's like... Because it's not a semicolon. Oh, I guess I don't know. It's a colon. It's the, the two dots. Yeah, yeah. So I'm like... I mean, after Miss Gillespie, like, that that one feels appropriate. But the other ones, I just don't. I'm like, that's so weird. Well, this person obviously is bad at grammar. Apparently. Um. So then um, she ignores it, doesn't say anything to anybody. Is she actually banging Mr. Massey? I don't know. It's never clear if they actually are. Okay. So um, she, the first letter, she doesn't, she doesn't tell anybody. She's like, whatever throws it away or like puts it somewhere maybe i don't think she throws it away um and then the next week she gets another one and this one threatens her daughter's life so she has two kids she has a son and a daughter is she married yes okay and it says quote it's your daughter's turn to pay for what you've done dot 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 i shall come out there and put a bullet in the little girl's head end Mm, quote that's fucked yeah so um Within a couple of weeks, she's still getting, Mary's still getting these letters, but so are other people in the community, and the letters are are just really about this affair that's allegedly just, happening. Okay, the husband did it. Um, so the letters are exposing the affair and calling for Superintendent Massey's removal from Unless, his job. Maybe it's, it's the wife of the superintendent. Okay. That's my guess. Okay. Um, Mary's husband, Ron, has also been getting letters now. The letters tell him that his wife is having an affair and that he needs to catch her and Gordon Massey in the act and, quote, and kill them both, end quote. Seems like zero to a hundred. Yeah, right? So by this point, um, the family is also getting harassing phone calls and Mary, who is a bus driver for the school, um, has, like, signs that are popping up along her bus route. Like yard signs? Yeah, that say things like about her and her family and like her kids and That's a little weird. So, um her husband Ron would actually like drive her route before she did and like take down all the signs that he could find. Well, that's nice. Yeah. Ron seems like a nice guy. Um in one of my sources it said that they thought they knew the family thought they knew who the letter writer was the wife of the superintendent so they sent letters back to them and for a while the letters stopped so um they this started in march and in august ron mary's husband Mm -hmm. gets a call and in a rage he grabs his gun tells his daughter he's going to confront the letter writer and takes off into the night okay okay Ron is then killed. Plot twist. It's the superintendent. (laughs) Ron is then killed in a single car, car accident. Oh. After he loses control of his truck and slams into a tree. Damn it. The cause of the accident appears to be that Ron was extremely drunk, like two times over the legal limit, but friends and family say that he was not a heavy drinker. So they're like, that is completely out of character for him to be that drunk. But he was also like under a lot of stress. But you would think his family would have been like, what are you doing? You're drunk. You can't take off. Like, 
everyone says that that's so completely out of character for him that it just does not make sense. But I feel like they probably would have said that anyway, even if he was drunk or not. I don't know. I would be like, you can't go kill somebody. Well, I don't know if they thought he was going to go kill somebody, but like maybe he grabbed the gun for self-defense or I don't know. Did you say I'm going to go kill this person? He's going to go confront the letter writer. Okay. Um, there is also the the twenty two caliber gun underneath Ron with one missing bullet. The question then became, who did Ron shoot at? Did he did he shoot at he, anyone, or was the bullet just not? I don't. They, we don't know. Okay. We're assuming that he left with a fully loaded twenty two cal. So we're assuming he left with a fully loaded gun. Yep. Got to where he wanted to go. Mm. Possibly shot possibly, at someone. Possibly got to where he wanted to go. And then possibly you crashed on the way home. Yeah, pretty much. Wouldn't they be able to tell by the way his car, which way he was driving? It doesn't, to me, it doesn't sound like he got to where he was That's going. That's what I think, too. It sounds like, to me, I, th- I feel like he could have been set up. We're going to call him. We're going to say X, Y, Z. He's going to come out of the house. We're going to kill him. How would they kill him? I don't know. I don't, maybe he, there was something in his way. Maybe a car came out of nowhere, so he swerved to miss it. Maybe, I don't know. I just... People don't think that it was an accident. But like if people was, in his it life, it was proven though that he was drunk. Yes, his so, his blood alcohol content was two times the legal limit. No matter what, we know he was drunk. So, so we can't really argue with that fact, unfortunately. Um. Yeah, you're you're not wrong, but it's so still, even though his family is like it's it's, an it's still weird. Yeah, it's still really weird. Like, you can't be like, well, it, it's unless someone put alcohol directly into his bloodstream yeah okay (laughs) i don't know um okay so in february 1983 the letters and signs and phone calls have continued so so after ron dies yes so this started in march of 1977 we're now in february of 1983 yeah this person has a lot of time on their hands yeah and um there are pictures of the letters and they're like really weirdly written. Like the Can handwriting you is. Tell if it's a man or a woman's handwriting. No, and they actually have a. Um, Forty-eight hours is where I heard the episode first, and they actually interview somebody who like does that for a living, like is a handwriting analyst or whatever. And they asked, like, "What can you tell us about this person?" And they're like, "Well, they're not very smart, but I don't know gender. I don't know age. I don't know, you know, like." They don't know a lot about it, but like based off of the grammar and stuff, they're like, I don't think they have a super high IQ. Okay. So not, I'm taking it back. I don't think it's the superintendent, Okay. but I still am keeping the superintendent's wife on the table. Okay. You're assuming he has a wife. Yes. Okay. I don't, I actually don't know if he has a wife or not. Cause why would someone get so mad then? Maybe they're mad at Mary. Mary's husband's dead now at this point. Yeah. I don't know. Okay. So, February 1983 is where we're at. One morning... We never found out what the phone call was? No. Damn. Yeah, I know. Um, Mary is driving her bus route on her way to pick students up at the beginning of the day when she sees an explicit sign about her daughter. She stops to take it down and finds that the sign is attached to a piece of twine. That twine is attached to a box. Uh So, she disconnects the two and takes the box home. Oh, Mary. (laughs) Are you kidding me? That was my thought, too. I was like, what are you doing? 
When she opens the box, inside is a gun with a piece of the piece of twine wrapped around the trigger, ready to be shot. So Aww. this was a booby trap. Wonder it was aim was it aiming towards her? Uh-huh. Seems like a really so if she elaborate like, way to kill somebody. But, but if they're if they know that she and her husband are ripping down the signs, but still, like you have to make sure like, that it's she's standing in the right exact spot. I thought it was gonna be a bomb. I mean. I'm just shocked that she brought it on her bus where there were children. Yeah. Like, that's crazy. What are you doing? Take the sign. Don't take the box. Call the police. You see something tied to a, a piece box. of twine in a box. Call the police. I mean, to be fair, this was 1983. So, but still. Mary. <laughs> so she she does bring the box to the police with the gun inside. And they de- determined that it was a booby trap. Obviously. Um, police were able to get the serial number from the gun restored, and this led them to a man who worked at a local, um, like, not like a shop, um, oh my god, what is it called? Like a distribution center, almost. Like, it's like a bigger, it's like a factory kind of thing. Um, and when they're like, uh, we found your gun, he was like, actually, I sold that gun. Damn it. To a man named Paul Freshour. Now, here's the fun fact about Paul Freshour. Doesn't exist. He is Ron's brother-in-law. He was married to... Mary's sister? No. No. Paul's sister. Paul's sister. So... Ron, you mean sister? Or, nope. Yeah, Ron's sister. Sorry. So he's Ron's brother-in-law. So he's married to ron's sister so she's also mary's brother-in-law technically yes but it's because of yeah i just want to make sure that we knew it was because of paul not because of mary yeah so according to paul's soon-to-be ex-wife at the time karen sue paul was obsessed with mary but hated her after he died and he found out that mary was cheating with gordon the superintendent pause real quick okay after who died after Ron died, her husband. But weren't, didn't these letters start before Ron died? Yeah. So. Mm. Okay. That's just what that's what Karen Sue said. Okay. She um said that after he found out that Mary was cheating, Paul was just enraged. Like he was so pissed and like could not get over it. <laughs> Which is weird because Ron was just like whatever. Yeah. Like, I don't think Ron believed it. Okay. And I don't, and I don't actually don't even know, know if, it if it was a real, yeah, I don't know. I couldn't figure it out. It was, it was unclear. Okay. Um, Karen Sue also told them that she found out, found a ripped note in the toilet. She had tried to, um, piece it back together. And the only thing that she could find was the last name Glassby. She then told police that she also found other notes in the house, other letters. Okay. So Paul spoke to police without a lawyer and without any hesitation. Like he was like, yeah, absolutely. I want to, I want to cooperate. Um, there's one thing I've learned from any, the true crime stuff that we do and we hear and we read, get a lawyer. Yeah. I don't care if you're innocent. Get a lawyer. I would... They just just get... Yeah. I mean, I just don't understand a lot of stuff, so I'd be like, I need someone here to explain it to me. 
I would just be like, I don't trust you because I know you can lie to me. I don't trust me. (laughs) And also, like, you ask me a question, I'm probably going to just tell you what's up because I have very little filter, as has been evident on this podcast. Yeah. (laughs) Um, So he talks to the police and um, he takes a polygraph and then is arrested for attempted murder of Mary after failing the polygraph. Don't take a polygraph. Well, and polygraphs are inadmissible in court, but they're still incredibly damaging. Well, they put so much weight on them. Exactly, it's because just, we, people tend to think they're like the end-all be-all. And it's like, they don't even measure if you're lying. They measure if you're, like, stressed, you're nervous. Right? Yeah. yeah. So it, it's like... I'd be nervous just taking the dang thing. So. I know. Yeah. Even if I was innocent, I'd be like, what if I fuck something up? Yeah, you exactly. Know? What if I miss say something? What if I remember something incorrectly what if what if what if yeah yeah so that's that's uh crime tip number two of this episode (laughs) yeah never take a polygraph um also liars can not get nervous if you're a good liar you're not gonna get nervous yeah if you're confident in yourself yeah yeah absolutely i am not i'm a terrible liar (laughs) accurate poker as as your sibling i would agree with that statement terrible um so paul has denied being the letter writer and has also never legally been accused of being that of being the letter writer what if they could get dna off the envelopes i'm sure they've tried you think well i guess not because like at that point was touch dna a thing no but i'm talking about if they licked like a stamp or they licked the envelope oh when did DNA start becoming... Definitely not 1983. No. So, um, let's see. Okay. So, the letters were still allowed into evidence, even though that was not what he was being charged of or um, didn't really have anything to do with the attempted murder. Like, the letters weren't involved in that. It was a sign. So... Um, the fact that the letters were still allowed into evidence is kind of shocking. Mm-hmm. Um, a handwriting an analyst did compare the letters to the threatening sign and to Paul's normal handwriting, and it was determined that they were all a match. They were a match. According to this... Quote-unquote handwriting, handwriting expert. Very. Yeah. <clears throat> so... Was Paul smart? I do we know what he did for a living or anything? Yeah, he worked at a factory for... I want to say a, a beer company. Oh, okay. And high Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Bush, whatever. I don't know. I know what you're talking about. Yeah, I don't know how to say it, so sorry. I'm not a beer drinker. No, me neither. Um, So there were no fingerprints on the gun or in the box, but um, Paul had taken the day off of work that the day the booby trap was found. And um, that box the gun had been in was similar or exactly the same as the type that could be found where Paul worked. Okay. So, um, it was, it, to me, it seems like a very circumstantial case. Like there, there was no eyewitnesses. There were eyewitnesses saying that people saw him at home, that they, you know, he was having work done on his house, which is why he wasn't at work because he was waiting for the people to do their work. So, to me, had I been on this jury, I I don't think I could have. So it went to 
he yeah he this is all in court coming out in court oh okay um and he was found guilty of attempted murder and given seven to 25 years which (sighs) okay i just i have a really hard time being like but do you not think he did it i don't think he's guilty no i don't okay because of of things i'll when we keep going i think you'll I think because right now I'm thinking like it kind of all makes sense. So people um, were shocked, like family and friends were shocked that Paul was found guilty. Um, but at this point, the letter still had not stopped. Oh, he's in prison. And even Paul gets a letter saying like taunting him and saying like, haha, we framed you. The, the only thing I don't understand how you explain is the gun. Unless it was the guy who sold him the gun that's actually doing it. Well, so the letter writer basically said, I framed you, right? Yeah. In this letter to Paul. And, like, when you go to to prison, you're searched. Mm-hmm. Your mail is read when it comes out. Like, uh, when you, like, send it out. Your phone calls are recorded. So I don't know how he could have been still writing the letters or sending the letters from inside of prison. Unless someone else just sent him a letter to be funny. It was the same writing, though. Mm. It still doesn't explain the gun, but... So, um, people think that he was being set up by his ex-wife, Karen Sue. Oh. So... Plot twist. Karen Sue, um, even though she told police that she had found all these letters in her home... In the toilet? While she w- yep, while she was still married to him, she said that um, she didn't keep any of the letters. She just threw them away. Which, but, if you know that your brother has been harassed oh, to the point of death, wouldn't you turn whoever it was in? Like, I don't care. Didn't you say that they sent letters back, though? Does it ever say who they sent the letters back to? No, I couldn't find who they thought it was. That's annoying. I know. And disappointing, I know. So, um, yeah, she didn't keep any of those um karen sue was also dating a man at the time of paul's arrest or yeah paul's arrest because remember they're divorced or separated i guess in the process of being divorced um and he may have this man that she was dating may have been seen within an hour of the sign that had threatened mary's daughter um was put up in that area so um, people think that it was him because the man she was dating was driving a certain kind of car, which I forgot to write down. Mm. And that car was spotted in the area. And another bus driver had driven past before that sign was up. And she said that she saw a man, um, a large man uh, with sandy hair who like saw her bus coming in, like turned his back really quick. So she couldn't like see his face. Face. And Paul was a smaller man who had dark hair. So that description doesn't match him at all. So um, 10 years after Paul was sent to prison, he does was... That, sorry, does that subscription match the boyfriend, do we know? Mm-hmm. Oh, okay. Yeah, sorry. So um, 10 years after Paul was sent to prison, he was released. Um, and this is where Unsolved Mysteries comes into my story. Okay. They um, wanted to do an episode about the letter writer because, like, technically, again, Paul has not been charged as being the one sending the harassing letters. People just assume it was him. 
because they think he attempted to kill Mary. And the letter said, quote, forget Centerville, Ohio. If you come to Ohio, you El Sickos will pay, end quote. And that was sent to Unsolved Mysteries. Oh. Yeah. So, um, Unsolved Mysteries completely ignored it. And they're like, Obviously. whatever. Um, and went to Centerville, Ohio. Um, Paul did agree to be interviewed for the program. And he was like, I didn't do this. I didn't write the letters. I didn't try and kill Mary. Like, I'm innocent. Like, this is not, I didn't do it. Um, but Karen Sue did not agree to be interviewed, which, I mean, to me is a little suspicious because, like, she was the main reason why Paul was arrested in the first place. Yeah. So, um, and then this is super creepy. Oh, um, she sat outside of the building where the interviews were being held and kept track of everyone in town who went inside taking their photos when they went into the building to be interviewed for the episode. Carrie Sue's not doing any favors for herself here. No, no, she's not. I just think that's so creepy. Um, And then there have been some thoughts that Paul and Karen Sue's son, whose name I don't have because they didn't name him. They just said his son. Yeah. Um, Could have been involved in setting up his father. Um, Ooh, that's... Families say that Karen Sue made it very clear to her children that it was her or their father um, when they got divorced. Like, either you're in your father's life or you're in my life. You don't get to have both of us. Karen kind of sounds sucky. Yeah, and so um, their son chose their mom. Um, Unfortunately, we cannot ask their son because he took his life in 2002. Oh. Died by suicide. Yeah. Sorry, I don't. I always forget which one is I know, me too. the appropriate one, and I try. Um, okay. There's got to be a, a easy way to remember it, and I just don't know what it is. So, so Paul is insistent to this day that he did not write the letters. Um, is this unsolved mysteries episode like a recent one or an older one? I think it's an older one. Okay. Because um. So he only went to prison for like 10 years and he was charged in, shoot, in, yeah, probably 84, 85. Okay. So, um, Paul was so insistent that he did not write the letters that after he left prison, he approached the FBI to see if they would look into who the actual letter writer was. The FBI never responded. Boo. Um, the le- letters have stopped, and they stopped actually when Paul was released from prison, which is like another weird coincidence. Yeah, that is weird. So, what do you think? Do you think it was Paul? Do you think it was Karen Sue, or do you think it was someone else? So, my only like thing is like, was Karen Sue's motive because his her sister in law was cheating on her brother? Maybe. See, and that's the thing, like. Was she even actually cheating on him? Yeah. Because, and was Karen Sue the only one who said that Paul was, like, obsessed with Mary? Yes. From what I could so, understand. So, like, we don't even know. Because I was going to say, like, Paul at least has a motive is because he's obsessed. But if Karen mm-hmm. Sue is the only one saying that, then. And the, when she said it, they were going through a, a nasty divorce. Right. So, like, you have to take, take that with a grain, with a grain of, salt. of salt. Right? Yeah. Um, 
Uh, yeah, that's, that's tough. The, like I said, the only hard piece of evidence for me is the gun. But his son could have had access to that gun, too. That's true. But then why wasn't he ever like, mm, could have been Karen? Yeah. You know, why didn't he point another, a finger somewhere else? It sounds like he didn't. Yeah. You know what I mean? That's just like the one thing. I feel like he didn't do it, but well, I'm also like, okay, but then how does the gun play into it? One of the articles said that um, they talked to uh, Paul's niece and she said there is no way in hell he would have ever implicated his son. Like he so would have taken the fall. For yes. Him. Yep. Exactly. Okay. So had his son been the one that actually like set up the booby trap and, or he had any inclination that his son had been involved, he would have just, <laughs> yeah, serious. Right. <laughs> um, he would have just taken the fall for his, his kid. Um, and she also says like, this does not sound like my uncle Paul at all. Like this doesn't track with the kind of man that he was. I don't know if he's still alive I'd be alive curious or not. to watch the Unsolved Mysteries episode. Um, it's called Poison Pen Murder, the episode is. Because, I mean, Unsolved Mysteries, I think, are on Amazon Prime. Yeah. But. And then um, the 48 Hours episode is a good one, too. I think it's just called, like, the Circleville Letters or something like that. I don't know. This is tough for me. I, I, I don't think it was necessarily Paul, but, like, I also don't know if I necessarily think, think it was Karen. If I had to pick one or the other, I'd say it's more likely Karen. That's what I thought, too. So, let's see. The, yeah, the 48 Hours episode is just called The Circleville Letters. And the, let's see. That is episode 34, season 34. Okay. I don't know where you can watch those. Um, If you literally type in The Circleville Letters, you will find my first source. Which is, has the anonymous author of the infamous Circle of the Letters, dot, dot, dot. <laughs> um, and that, w- it's basically a video, it's, because 48 Hours does the same it's with Dateland like, does. Yeah. Where they just take the audio from their episode and oh, turn it into a podcast. So this is a podcast episode. Yeah, so, and it, well, if you go to that source, if you go to cbsnews.com, or if you just type in Circle of the Letters, it will bring you to the 48 Hours episode. Gotcha has the anonymous author of the infamous Circleville Letters been unmasked? Hmm. So, like... Oh, I got you. It has a whole... Yeah. It's the whole, and it's got, like, the transcript, which is where I took all of my notes, most of my notes from. Yeah. So, that was my first source, and my other source was Unsolved Mysteries. So. Yeah, I don't know. That's tough. That's a tough one. Yeah. Because after, like, if she's... Like, why keep doing it after her brother died? Like, you basically caused your brother to die. Yeah. Exactly. Like, right? And, so like, after. Going. See, and that's what I don't get either is, like, all these things have happened. And, like, so the person that you pinned it on is in prison. So why did you keep writing them? Yeah, it doesn't make sense. No, it doesn't. And so, like, that's Because then you're just, like, kind of pointing the figure away from him at that yeah. point. And, like, again, he was never charged for writing the letters. He was charged for yeah, the attempted, attempted murder. murder. But that also went hand in hand with the letters because yeah. it, they used the letters as evidence. Yeah. So, I don't know. Yeah, I don't think he did it, but I don't necessarily know for sure she did it either. Yeah, I don't. I I don't think it was him. I don't. But it just 
there's just a lot of questions. Yeah. So. For sure. I don't know. Well, is that it? Yep. That's my whole story. Okay. Well, if you guys want to let us know what you think, please do. Yes, please. Um, other than that, our socials are... MW Madness Podcast on Instagram, Midwest Madness Podcast, the group on Facebook, and MW Madness Podcast at gmail.com. Yes. Um, yeah, other than that, we hope you have a good first week of December. And You look like you're contemplating something else. Yeah, I was contemplating what to say. Okay. <laughs> and we will talk to you next Tuesday. Thanks for listening. Bye. Bye.